Hey all, this is the Flip-Flop Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Thrapp, an entrepreneur who turned my love of travel into a career. Travel is not just a hobby, it's a way of life. Making it happen can be tough. I'm here to offer practical advice to make travel more achievable. This isn't just about my journey, it's about inspiring you to pursue adventure and explore the world on your terms. Welcome to the Flip-Flop Experience. I am here with my guest, Charity. Welcome, Charity. Thank you, Leah. Thanks for having me. So you are an expat in Mexico. You moved there with your family a couple of years ago, right? Yes, we've been here four years now. Oh, wow. Four years. Went by fast. <laughs> it did, So yes. what made you guys decide to be expats? For us, I've always loved travel, and I've had a lot of opportunity in my career and in my personal life to travel. My husband and I also had the opportunity to live in Australia for a year, and that gave us a taste of the expat life. And so as we started our family, we realized that we wanted to experience the world with our children and show them you know, that we're all similar at heart. We all want the same things. And so we worked really hard to be able to provide that life both for ourselves and for our children. And Mexico uh, ticked all of the boxes for what we wanted to experience as a family. And so we moved here four years ago and we've been loving every second. That's amazing. I love that so much. We have it on our bucket list to do the same with our kids. We'd love to go live the expat life, which means you know, leaving your native country and going and moving to another country and experiencing life there, not really as a tourist, but as either as a resident or a citizen where you're really taking on the new location as your home base more long term. So when you guys set that as a goal for your family, how did you make it realistic? And what did you do to prepare for that big change? Yeah, that's a great question, Leah. For us, a big part of it was deciding what we wanted out of the experience. And so part of it was being able to show our children a new culture and for them to become bilingual. But at the same time, our parents are aging, so we didn't want to be too far away, um, which made Mexico a top choice for us. Um, once we decided on Mexico, we then had to look into all the legalities of it, you know, and a lot of it is the financial wherewithal to be able to sustain yourself in a foreign country. So every country has different financial hurdles that you have to be able to reach to be able to be admitted. Once we did that, then it's just a list of paperwork that we needed to fill out that included having all of our marriage and birth certificates apostle, going to the consulate. Uh, there in Texas to be able to get approval to become residents of Mexico. Um, we, when we moved to Mexico, we came in as temporary residents. For Mexico, you have the option of becoming either temporary or permanent residents, and in each option have different requirements as well as different restrictions on them. We came in as temporary residents for the past four years, for the first four years. And then uh, this summer, we transitioned into permanent residents, which basically means that we have a card and we can enter and leave Mexico freely without any type of restrictions on how long we can stay. As well as permanent residents, we're now able to work here in Mexico. We don't um, and we don't intend to, but as a permanent resident, we have that ability to be able to do that. Were your kids always on board with the idea? I can't say that they were, no. It was hard for our oldest. Um, when we moved, she was going into fourth grade. And so for her, it wasn't Mexico specifically. It was the thought of leaving her friends. My children also had a little bit of difficulty with the Spanish language, not necessarily learning it, but just having the willingness to learn it. It's helped a lot with my oldest being able, you know, everything's online nowadays. 
So she's got friends from all over the country that she still is able to WhatsApp with and talk to. So that's helped tremendously. They don't have the desire to move back now, as well as, as we don't have the desire to move back. So they've come along, uh, but I wouldn't say that they were always on board now. Okay. And then you mentioned that you guys are not planning to work in Mexico. And so how did you financially prepare for this? And what did you do to make it a realize your dreams in Mexico this way? Yeah, it's a bit of a long story. I'll try to condense it for us. My husband and I both have our master's degree. We had white collar jobs. We were climbing the corporate ladder. Um, as I mentioned, my job actually moved us to Australia for a year. Um, and when we came back about a year later, I was laid off. And at that time, we realized that this could happen at any time. And we wanted to be able to protect ourselves for that in the future. Um, we started investing in real estate and we were able to retire four and a half years ago myself. My husband retired I think about eight years ago, but we were able to retire off of our real estate investments. And now the last four and a half years, we've moved beyond real estate into other alternative investments. And so currently we just live off of our investments and they continue to grow year after year. And so that's what we do. And it's, it's great because as an expat here in Mexico, I'm able to have all of the free time to be able to spend time with my family, to explore on the weekends, to be able to go visit other places within the country or be able to come home um, and visit family as, as we need to or as we're able to and not have to worry about checking in with a job and being able to have the time off to be able to travel or, or do the things that we want to do as a family. I think that's living the dream for a lot of people. It's definitely been our dream. It's been amazing. So you guys, when you first moved to Mexico, you were in Merida and then you just recently moved to Carataro, correct? Correct. What made you yeah. make the change? Merida was a fabulous location for us to start as expats. It's on the Yucatan Peninsula, uh, about four hours away from Cancun. It's ranked as one of the safest cities in all of North America, not just Mexico. It has a really thriving expat community, a lot of young families, a lot of single parents, but it's also somewhat isolated because it is on the peninsula. So anytime we wanted to travel somewhere else, we would have to um, drive four hours to Cancun to catch a flight somewhere. Um, and so by moving right. to Querétaro, we're in central Mexico where we're able to take a bus into Mexico City. It's just a couple hours. And for Mexico City, of course, you can go anywhere. Mexico right. City just has a lot more diversity as far as just a lot of different things for us to do, again, as a family, as well as the ability to travel other places very easily. Yeah, that's really cool. I'm always, you know, watching House Centers International or keeping an eye on places that might be somewhere to live in the future, somewhere that would be a great spot for the family. And so I recently, as you know, visited Carataro and San Miguel several times in, in the last year. And I'd never been to any part of Mexico that wasn't really the beach. And I yes. <laughs> loved it there. It was such a cool city with the cathedrals. It has a lot of culture. It's not just the typical things people picture in Mexico, which is usually the beach or a big city like Mexico City, but something in between that was colonial and charming and, and really cool. So I think that's such a fun experience for your family. Yeah. And, and it's different when you actually live here as an expat. You have to think about what do you do in your day to day, your week to week? How do you want to live as a family? And for some people that is living at the beach and drinking beers and eating tacos all the time. But for <laughs> us with a young family, there's other things that we need. Frankly, we need a Costco close. <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> I know. And they have H-E-B in Carataro. So if yes, you're from Texas, yes. you know how exciting that is. <laughs> yes, 100%. Um, yeah, I think that's something too that 
you're, what you touched on is that thinking about what you want your life to be like. So for me, there's been times that there's been opportunities that we've considered to move to another country, um, including Australia, which we loved Australia. But for me, Australia was just not realistic for being so hard to go anywhere else from. I'd go there temporarily, like a year or two, but I wouldn't want to you know, make that my permanent place because everywhere else in the world is hard to get to pretty much. I think it's also picturing what you what you want to do there, because for me, growing up and living in the suburbs in the Dallas area, I do not want to make my expat experience be so similar to my experience here. So I feel like if I'm going to go, I want to live in the city center. I want to have like a very different experience and lifestyle and expose my kids to that. I don't want to feel like we just transferred suburbia to another suburbia. Yeah, 100%. And that's so important to think about what do you want your life to be like? Because wherever you move, and especially here in Mexico and where we are, you can have both experiences. There are plenty of people who live in Centro and who very much walk everywhere. They don't have a vehicle. They go to cafes every mm -hmm. morning. There's a, a card and board game group. There's art groups. There's art classes. There's so much you can do. For us, while our children are young, we chose to do that suburb experience. So we're still in the suburb, but I have the opportunity for my kids to go horseback riding. We, we're, we found a new uh, barn here where the girls are learning to do archery on horseback. They do oh, soccer. So fun. They, yeah, they have taekwondo. Uh, they're doing volleyball, photography coursing. They're doing all of those things that keeps them active and helps them understand what their interests are. But at the same time, you mentioned San Miguel earlier. San Miguel is about 45 minutes an hour away. So if I really want an artistic colonial experience, I can run up there real quick. And I have. I've run up there and we've done dinner at night. A couple of weeks ago, a yeah. friend of mine, we ran up there and we did a girls night and we saw a lady who just retired from a singer songwriter, just retired from 40 years in Nashville and was putting on a free concert in oh, a little wow. cafe. And then we went to dinner at a rooftop overlooking the cathedral of San Miguel. So and so, fun. yeah, it's so fun. And it's, those are the types of experiences that I realized that were I still living in the U.S. and still going to work every day and having that typical American experience. I wouldn't have these types of experiences, which makes me really appreciate yeah, totally the agree. made to be able to, to move here and be expats. I think some of the questions that people have, they think, oh, it would be nice, but it's not realistic because of. And I think one of the questions is, how do you get health care? You know, as Americans, we have a very complicated system. And so you assume that there's no way that you could go somewhere else and get good or reasonable or accessible health care. So what has been your experience with the health care system there? And how has it been different in Mexico from what you experienced here in the States? Yeah, I think it's interesting because I think a lot as Americans, we don't realize that a, a lot of people actually travel to other countries for healthcare because the healthcare is just mm -hmm. as good and oftentimes significantly cheaper. For us, we still we have Mexico insurance, but our insurance does cover us around the world and even in the US. For our family of four with a low deductible, we pay $4,000 a year. 4,000 US a oh year. Oh my gosh which see that I mean, is shocking. It's shocking. What's even more shocking is we've never used it. We still go oh, to the really? doctor. We go to the dentist. My husband and I both have had surgeries here, but the cost is affordable here. We've not actually used our insurance because we frankly, we just don't want to have to deal with the paperwork. So it's easier just to uh -huh. pay $30 out of pocket to go to the doctor. And a lot of times I'll even just go to the emergency room because I know that the doctors there speak English. I know that I'll get seen quickly. And if it's something I don't want to wait on, we'll just go to the emergency room and it's maybe $60 and I'm seen within 10 minutes and I'm out the door. 
and I don't bother with my insurance. Oh, wow. just because I can. So you don't find all those horror stories we hear about other country medical care and waiting six months to get seen and all that kind of thing are applicable in your case? No, no. Now I will say um, Mexico does have a public health care system called IMSS. I'm liking it to the public health care of Canada. So everyone can be covered for a very low cost. And in that situation, if you use that health care and go to those hospitals, you will be in that situation. We've elected to get private health care so that we avoid that. I will also say the doctors that we go to, you know, of course, we do our research on the doctors to be sure that they have good experience with other expats, to be sure that they speak English, just because our Spanish is not well enough for me to be able to have a medical conversation with someone in Spanish. Um, And a lot of times the doctors that we go to have been educated or, or perform the residency in the U.S. or in Canada. So they have international experience mm-hmm. and they've chosen to come back to Mexico to be with their family or to provide health care to their friends and family, their family here. That's fascinating. Yeah, I can definitely say I have been to the doctor in a lot of countries, mostly for my kids. When you travel with kids, it just goes with the territory. But I have always been so pleasantly surprised, number one, at how quick and easy it was to get seen. And then number two, we do have insurance that just covers us worldwide as well. But I have never used it either because one time... I think it was in Slovakia last year. They were like regretfully saying, oh, we're so sorry, but we can't bill your insurance. You're going to have to bill it. We're not set up for it. And I was like, okay, well, how much is it going to be? And they were like, $60 US. And I was like, oh, okay, (laughs) that's fine then. I'm not even going to bill with my insurance either, you know? So, and that was for like x-rays and an emergency visit and all kinds of things. So I was like, oh, that's totally fine. I'm happy. I'm happy to pay you $60, you know? So I have not had that experience. Of course, it exists in certain systems that it can be challenging, but I think as an expat, it's definitely a good tip to find out how much it costs for the private healthcare and budget for that and plan plan to take advantage of the private. So the other question I think a lot of people are intimidated by, especially if you're going to plan to move while your kids are young, because a lot of people save the expat life for retirement when their kids are gone and that kind of thing. But when people are thinking about moving with their kids, it's always intimidating to think what kind of school choices are you going to have? How are you going to find a school for them? So how have you found that experience? I would say that's been a learning experience for me as well. In the States, we tend to just go to the school that our house puts us into. We don't really have choices. Right. And so when we moved to Mexico, I realized that I had choices and I had a lot of choices. And so again, I had to step back and my husband and I had to have a discussion about what we felt was important for our children's education and how did we want to support them in their academic journey and what that really meant. Did that did it mean that absolutely we're planning for college? Did it mean that we wanted to have the ability to go into a trade? The world is changing. And how do we best support them for what we think the world might be like in 10 or 15 years when they are adults and they're trying to make their way in the world? A lot of it was just trying to understand what did we want to provide for them? Um, we chose to go with private schools. Some people will go into the public school system and that's perfectly fine. It's just not what we wanted for our children. And so we've had to learn how to go into private schools, how to interview them. What are the things we're looking for? And they'll make the decision off of that. Now, private schools can be very expensive. We've also been to some private schools that aren't as expensive and they all offer different things. And our girls have benefited from each in different ways. Uh, That's interesting. I've That's something when I'm looking at destinations, too, that I think you should consider is what are the choices like and is it suitable to what you want? Because there's definitely some countries that are very restrictive in the type of choices that you have. 
And the choices that you they allow you to make, some of them is just you have to do it the certain way and that's the only way or you're in trouble. And then there's some countries like Mexico and um, other places that will give you a lot of freedom and a lot of choices, sort of like we have here in America on, on what works best for your family. Yeah, 100%. And I would also say if you plan to move with young children, I would look to see the number of schools that are available in the area that you're looking at because your first or second school choice might not have availability for your child. They may be full. Or you may get into the school and realize that it's not quite what you thought and you need to change schools. The other aspect of it, mm-hmm. I would say for children is to be sure that there is a environment, not necessarily in the school, but in the area that you're looking at that supports expat children. I know my children, they've been in school where they're the only expat, they're the only non-Mexican in, this, in the school, and it was hard for them for the first couple of weeks until they started to make friends. Personally, I think that makes them more resilient for life as they experience the world. Um, But I know for some children, that would be very difficult. So to be able to have that support system even outside of school, to be able to go to the mall on weekends or go have a sleepover or invite somebody to to the movies, I think that's really important too, as you think about where might be this location that you're considering. Yeah, that makes sense because I have an internal debate about that and what you would want for your kids because, of course, you want them to be supported as expats because that comes with unique challenges. But I also don't want to do the same thing I was talking about with recreating your old life there. So I don't want to move somewhere and put them where they're only going to school with expats from America and Canada that speak English or something because then I feel like it takes away from that experience. So trying to find a balance between you know, giving them a new experience and exposing them to those challenges and amazing things that they can experience and isolating them so much that they're back to their same life that they had before. And I will tell you, Leah, that's a constant battle that I have for myself because there's been experiences where my youngest daughter went to like a bounce house, right? A bounce house place on the weekend that's uh, full of different activities for them to do. And she just went by herself and started playing with other kids. And then Somewhere along the way, she experienced racism. And as a Mm. white family in America, we don't have those experiences. It was very interesting as a mother because part of me hated that experience for her. And I just wanted to to go and have a discussion with these other children that made my daughter cry. (laughs) The other part of me realized how important that was for her to understand that experience for other people. And so that as she grows up and gets in the world, she can understand what that means when she sees someone else in that position and can help that person and help other people understand the impact of that situation and how to prevent it. And so it's been a a battle. I definitely think that's one of the things that we hope for our children to gain through travel is, is empathy for realizing, experiencing things that aren't typical from your normal everyday life, but things that other people may experience or seeing it from someone else's perspective that hopefully does help them to be more well-rounded and empathetic people as they grow and grow up. Yes, exactly. How would you compare your standard of living from where you were in a suburb in Dallas to in Mexico now? I think that's something that is really hard for people to, to really get a good picture in their mind of what to expect. Oh, Leah, that's a good question, too. Um, The great thing that I think that we forget is that we can choose how we live, right? Even even in America, you can choose what type of house you live, what area of town, all the things that all the stuff that you have around you, right? Those are all decisions that we've made. For us living in Mexico, I have friends who live very affordably and they don't have a lot of extras and they have just the small house that they need. 
And I have friends that chose to move to Mexico and build a million dollar house for the two of them. So it's really what you mm -hmm. choose. For us, again, we're in the suburbs, if you will. So we're surrounded by all the grocery stores. We're surrounded by all the nice places to eat. We're surrounded by like what was the largest mall in all of Latin America. So we have all of those things next to us. We're in a house. It's not a huge house. It's not as big as our house in Dallas. But frankly, we didn't want a house as big as our house in Dallas. But we're in a private privada. So there's only 40 houses. The entire area is fenced in. We have a security gate where the, the two security offers are fabulous and they, they will watch out for our children. I've gotten phone calls that I left a bag outside of my door and do I want to get that? We have a gym, a pool, a party room as part of the neighborhood. My 10-year-old has the ability just to say, mom, I'm going to go play at my friend's house and she'll leave and she'll go knock on her door. And if she's not available, she'll go to the next house with the next kid. And I'm able to tell her, just come home with the lights are on. So that's the experience that I had growing up. You run right, around like the we were and you play, and then you just come home when the lights are on. And I'm able to do that here. And I was never able to do that in the States. I wouldn't dream of doing that in the States, but I'm able to do that here yeah. for cheaper than what I had in the States. We have a maid that comes three times a week. We're able to have people come and take care of other things for our house that we need that we either don't want to or don't know how to do. Um, we have three horses. Our kids never even had the chance to take lessons in the States. Here we actually own three courses and we do lessons several times a week. So our quality of life has definitely improved. I would say our cost of living is the same or a little bit less. But for what we're able to do, okay. our quality of life is drastically improved. And again, that's the decision that we've made of how we want to live our life here. So you go out to eat and travel. You're not sacrificing things like that with your new lifestyle? No, not at all. Not at all. We do all the things. Do you think that it was easier or harder than you expected to build community? I think it was a lot easier than I expected. When we first moved to Medida, I spent a lot of time on Facebook and just reaching out to anybody and everybody and volunteering for things, showing up at events, knowing that I didn't know anybody. My poor husband, I like signed him up and I'm like, you're going to go golfing Tuesday with three <laughs> people you've never met. Show up at this golf course at nine o'clock. He's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. But I think that social media has enabled us all to be so connected. It's actually really easy to find people who are in the same situation that you are. And I find that with expats, a lot of the discussion is more around your experience and your outlook on life and less about what happened at work this week. Who do you work for? What do you drive? It's less about those things that I find are, are common mm -hmm. denominators in the U.S. and much more about experiences and what are the things that you've done? What are the things that you want to do in the future? I love everything that you're saying because that just sounds like such a great experience for your kids and also a growing experience for you and your husband because we've talked a lot about the challenges for the children and doing this lifestyle, but definitely you're being pushed outside of your comfort zone sometimes as well. Yeah, definitely. And my husband and I were fortunate enough in our year in Australia to understand the difficulties that were associated with that. So that when we did make the move to Mexico, you know, we had a frank discussion of, okay, the first couple of months are going to be really frustrating because you don't know where the grocery store is. You don't know how to pay for water. Mm -hmm. You don't know these basic things that we take for granted in the U.S. that just happen. You have to relearn all of that and how to do it in, in a different country. And you have to be able to accept the way that the country is set up 
to be able to deal with those everyday common occurrences. But my husband and I were able to come into it with an open eyes and open heart and say, okay, this is what we're choosing. And we know why we're choosing these things. And so even though things may be difficult or maybe not make a lot of sense, we're going to figure it out together to be able to make this part of our life. And it's worked out really well for us. Yeah, I definitely have felt like I have to, I call it packing my patient pants whenever you go to another country. And I'm not necessarily living there long term, but I often spend extended three or four or five weeks in a different country. And so then you have to do regular things like laundry and, you know, normal life stuff. And that's where you really start to sometimes feel those differences whenever it's just everyday life stuff. You're not in the tourist zone where people are catering to you as much. And you have to realize I'm not in the place that I'm from and I can't impose my expectations or my usual wants to them. It's not their responsibility to meet it for me. So I definitely catch myself sometimes in another country standing in line and thinking like, oh, this should not take this long. Why is this so hard? And I have to remind myself, take a deep breath. You're not in your home zone. You've got to do things their way. And I can imagine for the first couple of months, you'd spend a lot of time reminding yourself to take a deep breath and realize that you're not at home. You're in a new place and you have to do things a new way or the way or someone else's way, not your way. And I'll say circling back to being able to make relationships with other expats. I think by doing that early in your expat adventure is really important because they've been there before. So it's really easy to reach out and be like, Hey, how do I do this? I, this like, I don't know how to pay my electric bill. This should be so easy. That says there's a website, <laughs> but the website won't take my US credit card, right? How do I pay my electric bill? Yeah. So being able to reach out to someone who's been there and go, okay, here's what you do. Here's the steps that you take, I think is really beneficial. So what would you say was the most challenging part of moving to be expats with your family? Oh, gosh, good question. I would think the most challenging part for me personally has been the school. And I say that just because it's so different from what I knew in the States. It was so different from our experience and the parental pressure of, am I doing it right? Right. How is this affecting my oh, yeah. girls? Are they doing okay? Is this the right decision for them? That's been the hardest thing for me the last, the last few years. And part of that also is because we moved here the summer before COVID. Year one, we moved and we're in new schools with a new language. Year two, we had COVID. Year three, the schools weren't quite open yet. Year four, yay, we're back to normal. Here we are starting year five. Well, now we've moved and we're in no, new schools again. So unfortunately, my kids have been mm -hmm. in a new school environment for the last four years. And now it's not through any fault of their own, not through fault of us moving to expat just because of the world situation that's happened. Uh, but that's probably been the hardest aspect for me to try to figure out what is right. And it's been less, I'll be honest, it's been less about their academic journey and more about their emotional journey for me to be sure that they're supported emotionally um, and socially in the academic atmosphere. Yeah, that sounds challenging. And I, I know the mom guilt is real. So definitely when you're making those decisions, you can feel that extra mom guilt kick in. Uh, the mom guilt is real, but I'll say there's been... Uh, a lot of examples in this journey where we're starting to see the, the fruition of the decisions that we've made becoming expats, where our children understand that there is a bigger world. They understand what the possibilities of the world offers them. And so that helps tremendously with the mom guilt to realize that, okay, we're, we're starting to crest the mountain and go on the other side. We can see what's on the other <laughs> side and we have high hopes. Hopefully they're going to, Everybody can be on the same page. It can be it can be really rewarding when your kids realize that you really did have their best interest at heart and you really were trying to help them achieve things that would be best for them. They don't yes, always see it in the moment. Exactly. So what would you say is the most special or rewarding or your favorite part about this journey that you guys have been on together? 
For me, again, it would be my children. It's really rewarding for me to be able to see them come into a new situation and be able to just roll with the punches, especially when it comes to learning as learning a second language. Both girls are fully bilingual. Their school is 50% in Spanish. They've been to fully Spanish schools in the past. So for them to be able to be in a situation where they've had to step up, because I don't speak Spanish very well at all. And they have translated for me and they've been able to take charge of the situation. It's a lot harder to learn languages in your 40s than your 20s. I wish I had learned 20 years ago, but I just didn't. Um, so having the opportunity for my children to learn Spanish now and not just learn it in an academic standing, but be able to play with it and, and be able to give presentations in Spanish and talk to the handyman that comes by to work on the plumbing, I think is really beneficial. And it's interesting as an expat my thought about languages has changed. My oldest daughter is in a new school where she's now taking a third language. She's taking French. And I immediately went to, well, we need to go to a, oh, wow. we need to go to a French language camp in Canada for the summer. Previously, I would have never yeah, thought that's that. Awesome. <laughs> but I've learned now mm -hmm. the advantage of having the experience, not just learning the language, but having the experience of being surrounded by it. And so we're looking at doing that for her. So hopefully she graduates and she knows three languages but then she can help carry her through and help, will help her as she figures out what she wants to do in this world. Yeah, that immersion is super valuable if you learn to apply it and actually use it, learning it in the classroom. I definitely feel like I took Spanish class in school, but I did not learn anything. But then when I spent a summer in Spain, I thought I didn't learn it, but it, it pulls out of the back of your brain somewhere words that you didn't know you remembered. But when you really need them, all of a sudden you can pull on that knowledge. So when you're just fully immersed, it's such a different learning experience. So that's preparing them first, giving them a lot of choices and preparing them for a lot of experiences. So I, Charity, I know you're retired, but do you have any ventures or things that you're working on currently that you can share with us about that's helping sustain this dream lifestyle? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mentioned earlier, my husband and I, the last four and a half years, we've really moved beyond investing in real estate. And we've looked at other what we'll call alternative investments, which basically means things beyond the stock market, things beyond traditional stocks and mutual funds, things like that. We've been very successful in that. And we've had a lot of our real estate investors reach out to us and frankly say, how are you doing this? I'm investing in real estate also, and I'm not able to sustain this type of lifestyle. I'm not able to retire. I'm not able to move to another country. What are you doing different? And so my husband and I have started a company called RLT Capital Investments where it's actually a fund of funds, meaning that we pull investors money to be able to invest in these types, these different types of alternative investments as a group and be able to provide our investors with a stable 10% cash flow each year. These could be things like uh, the energy sector, oil and gas, could be things like a venture capital fund. For example, my husband and I, we've invested in a electric motorcycle company out of Italy. We've invested in startup alcohol company that we're looking to be able to sell within three to five years. That sounds super interesting. Where can people learn more about this and what you guys do and how you help people do it? Yeah, of course. You can reach out to us at invest at rltcapitalinvestments.com or you can find us on our website at rltcapitalinvestments.com. That is great info. Thanks, Charity, for coming on and being so transparent and sharing such great specific information about expat life. Thanks, Leah, for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Happy adventuring. Thanks for being part of the Flip Flop experience. 
Make sure to subscribe and follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Flip Flops and Adventures. <laughs>